What is going on on Cancel? Hey, hey. How are you guys doing? Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we had a legitimate like podcast where we uh, it was just like Brianna and myself and just a regular uh, Joe's, I guess I should say. But we had Wesley, Evangelist Wesley here a couple weeks ago and we did that. Uh, but we are back and I'm happy to have you guys. As you can see, we have upgraded. We have yeah. upgraded. We Whoa. We no longer have the two chairs and all that stuff. We have a table now. We're Come very official. Now. Increase, increase. Amen. But anyway, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We're so happy that you decided to join us. Uh, we actually kind of, we, we have, we still have DJ uh, like on our, I, I don't know if I want to call it a staff because not that official, but like <laughs> on our crew, he's still editing our podcast and stuff, but Ben is now now actually the recorder of wow. the podcast. And DJ is our oh, editor. We increase, say increase. No, I'm just kidding. Type increase in the chat. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, you can if you want to. Um, Amen. But uh, Ben, why don't you tell us what type of apple we have today? Today, Impact, we have a Granny Smith, and it's a popular apple. It's very like popular. Everybody knows a Granny Smith, mm. but it's it's not a popular eating apple i would say mm. but some people still like it as their preferred eating apple and we're gonna we're gonna make a decision about those people today <laughs> yeah we are so cosmic crisp right now is my standard um ben is his standard is an envy although we both would agree that they are within the same kind of like category realm type of deal deal uh brianna doesn't have a standard <laughs> I don't think. No, I don't. Really doesn't care about apples. The no, way that we do. I really don't. But her I'm opinion, just here for the fun. She, she's it's she's so the fun. opinion of a so casual. Apple I'm a casual eater. apple eater. Okay. I like my apple pie. A, a it range. is, and then like I'm like an above average, and Ben's like an expert. So it's it's wow. like it's like a good you. like yeah. We have know, a good just, panel here. It's a good panel. It's a good diversity diversity day. No, I'm just kidding. If you got that joke, then laugh. If you didn't, then don't. Here we go. Ready? Oh no. Oh no! I didn't even bite it all the way. Oh no! What is this? This is disgusting. Is yours super mushy? So mushy, I don't even want to eat it. And sour. Are they normally mushy? Or are these just bad? Oh, my flavor is. Tastes terrible. Oh no! Wow. Oh no! You know. Yeah, we're just gonna put that in there. I and didn't keep it even there. completely oh. take um, a whole. You All right. Need to. That's disgusting. I will say this. I'm gonna. He probably isn't gonna watch this, but he might. His wife might. Uh, pass or I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's officially a pastor. He's one of our ministers on staff, though. Uh, Elder Arazo. He. This is his favorite apple. No way. Elder. Brother Elder. Get a new opinion. I need to help expand your palate because I have a feeling if that's your favorite apple, you haven't you tried any other apple. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. I, I'm craving a red delicious right now. Like, uh, he hates Rome. those. Almost Rome, yeah. We'll do a Rome apple one week. You'll get that joke. All right, um, let's go right to the chase here. Uh, why does it bend? Ben, you kick it off. One, which I think is generous. <laughs> I'm never eating it again. It's a zero. I don't know if it was just that apple, but it was so mushy and and just bad. So, like, tart and bad. In the skin, just bad. I don't know. One might be generous, but I'll stick with a one, I guess, because it's an apple. I'm giving it a zero. I'm never eating that again. I All never right. want it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, shock everybody here a little bit. 
I could see the purpose of a Granny Smith, like in an apple pie, possibly with a little bit of like. But we're like, talking about eating yeah, apples. But, we're but if not we're talking, if we're apple pie. if we're talking about eating an apple just straight up, we are. If I give a Rome a one, which is like my least, like the lowest apple, a Granny Smith is a two. I'm gonna go two. Okay. It's very. It's th- there wasn't really. Anything that great about that that apple that at bad. all? That was disgusting. Yeah. That well, that's bad. it for rate that apple. Uh, thank Thanks you for, for checking that in. out. Um, Don't now leave. we're gonna actually begin the actual podcast right here. I'm gonna talk to you about something today that I encourage you to uh, really take note of. I'm just gonna move this real quick. Sorry. You know, a lot of people in today's world do not know how to read the Bible anymore. It is not popular to take the time to understand what the Word of God is actually saying, but rather to read a passage of Scripture and immediately apply it to our lives. And before I begin, a Scripture I want to share with you is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. And Brianna, I don't need you to turn there. Oh, we, okay. we had to memorize it when we, when we went to Bible school pretty early. Uh, it's, probably the, it's probably uh, the first verse I think we had to memorize at Bible college. And it's this. It says, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's talking to him about the last days. He's talking to him about the false teachings that will happen in the last days. And at the end of this chapter, he says to uh, Timothy, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that scripture mean? What that scripture means is that all God's word is useful for teaching. It's useful for your learning experience as a Christian. There is not one passage in the Bible that you cannot use to teach, that you cannot use to correct, that you cannot use to rebuke. There, every single passage in the Bible we can learn something from. And so... Before we get into how to actually read the Bible, I want to make that clear. That don't listen to anyone that says, well, the Old Testament isn't really for today for us to understand and read. No, the the Old Testament is still the Word of God and it's still relevant to today. Um, one One thing that my wife always says, and it's very true is that you need to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to read, how to understand the, the Word of God. So while we're going to give you principles right now of how to interpret the Bible and how to read the Bible, this does not mean that you put your study over the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may illuminate something to you in a moment. He's the ultimate teacher, but at the same time, these principles that we're about to teach you will help in partnering with the Holy Spirit to teach you, if that makes any sense. But how do I know the Holy Spirit will teach you? Brianna's going to read John 16, 13. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Yes. He'll lead you and guide you to all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will lead you and guide you to all truth. So the thing is, is that, and we'll get into this at the uh, at the end, I think. But I'm going to say it now, too. Before you read the Bible, you should ask the Holy Spirit, especially as someone that's just starting to read the Bible, Holy Spirit, teach me something from the Word today. Right. 
teach me something as I read. Yes, you should learn how to interpret Scripture because we need to do our part. God's not, you know, God's not going to honor our laziness. But at the same time, relying on the Holy Spirit. There's been times where I read a passage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks something to me. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and we need to learn how to study. Right. There has to be... A balance. What's the scripture that talks about study to show yourself approved? Yeah, Timothy. Yep. You want to you want to make sure that you're doing all that you can to understand, you know, correctly what this was intended to mean. But while like asking, like Joey was saying, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and teach you because He already knows all of those things. Yeah, he absolutely. knows, like without studying. He knows exactly what the scripture was meant to mean, knows what Jesus was saying. Like, whatever the whatever you're reading, he knows, and he can teach you. He'll bring other scriptures and connect them and show you kind of a whole, a whole meaning of something that maybe you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit has to be your number one teacher when it comes to interpreting scripture, not commentaries, right. not you know, books that are, are helpful and useful and you should utilize. I utilize commentaries regularly, but it does not override the Holy Spirit uh, and what he's ultimately trying to teach me. Uh, there's two approaches to reading the Bible. There's reading, there's actually three, but I'm going to give you two extremes. One extreme is that the Bible is not really for us today. It's a history book. It was written, you know, to those people of that time and it doesn't really apply to us today. That's one inter that's one understanding. There's another extreme understanding, which is I just read the Bible and I just apply it to myself weirdly and wacky and I don't understand what it meant to the original people that that you know wrote it. I believe there's a middle ground where we understand what it meant to the original audience, and then we apply it to our lives. We uh, meet those two things in the middle. So right. how do we do that, right? H how do how do we read the Bible? And I've been doing a teaching in pre-service with my with our leaders at Impact uh, Youth, and uh, we've been doing a pre-service teaching with our leaders in training who are our juniors and seniors, and with our... Shout um, out. Yeah, shout out juniors and seniors. Hello, I hope you're watching. Uh, but um, we're, we're also, uh, you know, we're doing our teaching with our adult leaders, and we're just going through how to read the Bible. You know, one thing I ask you to do right now is I ask you to do this. Would you Bring yourself to a point where you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you something right now. Sometimes when we hear, you know, like how to read the Bible, we want to assume that we know everything already. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but if that's you and you're thinking, oh, I already know this, humble yourself and allow God to speak to you right now. I don't profess to know everything, not at all. In fact, this is not my own teaching. This is what I learned when I went to Bible school, and I had to learn at one point too, and I still am learning. So yeah. uh, as we do this, we're just going to go through some things that are important. Um, the first uh, key principle, Brianna, if you want to read that one. The whole point? Just just or read just the, what the first point is, and you can give a synopsis on it if you want okay. to. Okay. The first point is context is king. Con you can write that in the chat. The chat on the left on the right side. Okay, context, context is, king. is king. This is one of the most important things to consider while you're reading scripture. You want to look at what is going on around the scripture and how does it help me understand what I'm reading. That's perfect. And I'll give you an example. Ready? Context. 
context is king of not only scripture, but of really anything, really any conversation. You can't take anything out of context. I see people post like a little clip of someone preaching. Like they'll say like two words and they'll clip it and they'll be like, look at what they just said. For all you know, they were saying what they just said was wrong. Like you can't clip something and take it out of context. I was saying to uh, Lindsay before I came on the podcast, Lindsay's Brianna's sister and my my sister-in-law. And I was talking to her. And I said to her, yeah, I got to go grab those Granny Smiths so I can go do the podcast. If somebody doesn't know that we do rate that apple on the podcast, that makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. But as soon as you know that he does rate that apple for his for the podcast, you understand, oh, he has to go grab the Granny Smiths for rate that apple for the podcast. But without that context, you wouldn't understand otherwise. Yeah. So when reading scripture, don't just read, um, you know, don't just read John 16, 13, when we said right here, you know, uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all, all the truth. Don't just look at that scripture and just immediately under, assume you understand what's everything that's happening in that passage. Uh, you know, obviously, you when, when I'm preaching or something like that, sometimes I don't have time to explain all the context to everybody, but... I, as the minister, have to already know the context so that I can explain it to you properly. But, and this especially goes for, if you want to be in the ministry and you're listening to this right now, this is essential to you. Like, you need to know the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved, an approved worker. You cannot work for the ministry of God effectively and not understand how to interpret Scripture. So, the first step is context. Context is king. It is the most important thing. Uh, Brianna. Point number two? Yep. Okay. Scripture interprets Scripture. So Scripture cannot, it doesn't contradict itself. You right. have to, you know, I don't even, I don't have a good example off the top of my head. Do you I have got something? one, yeah. Okay. So I, I used this with my leaders the other day. Uh, perhaps if you're if you're listening right now, you've heard of something in reference to Paul's thorn, right? And Paul had this thorn, and people say, I don't really know what the thorn is. Actually, let's go ahead and read it. This is I did not plan to do this at all, but I'm going to do it right now. I believe it's uh, 2 Corinthians 12. I'm turning there, honey, so okay. you don't have to. It's fine. I'm almost there. 2 Corinthians. You all can turn there, those watching. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 12, I believe. Yes, it is. It says... So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given uh, given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Okay, so that text right there, a lot of people have interpreted that to mean that Paul had a sickness. Paul had a sickness, and then the next, uh, it goes on to say that basically God said that his grace was sufficient, and people say that, you know, God basically wouldn't take Paul's thorn from him. Paul had sickness. God didn't want to heal him of sickness. That means that God doesn't want to heal everyone. First off, I didn't hear, I, personally, I mean, I don't know if we have different Bibles. I, I think we have the same one. But it, I didn't see anything about sickness in that text, nowhere. Right. It said nothing about sickness. It said a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. What is it? The thorn in the flesh was what, Brianna? A messenger of Satan. A messenger of Satan. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. That's what the thorn was, a messenger of Satan. It was not a sickness. But how do I know for sure that God did not want to heal Paul? Uh, uh, Or how do I know that he didn't have a sickness and that God didn't want to heal him? How do I know that that's an incorrect understanding? Well... 
Because the Bible clearly says in Matthew 8.17 that Jesus took our sickness and bore our diseases. That there is a healing atonement. It is God's will to always heal because he took our sickness and he bore our disease on the cross. The scripture is very clear on that. It clearly says it. So when I read this text about Paul's thorn, I read it in light of the clear scripture that says in Matthew 8, 16 through 17, that he took our sickness and bore our disease. Never read a passage of scripture that is vague or almost, I don't want to use the word vague in a way that like God didn't really know what he was talking about, but vague in a sense where you have to maybe search a little bit and study for the meaning. Never take the more vague passage and try and make it uh, make it into a doctrine when there's a scripture that's clear cut and dry that contradicts it. The scripture is clear cut and dry that Jesus took our sickness and disease. So therefore, it doesn't make sense that Paul had a sickness that God was not willing to heal. Doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Two completely, uh, very, very contradictory to each other. So when you get a passage of scripture, make sure the application that you're applying to your life, the meaning that you get, then the application that you get, make sure that they don't contradict other scriptures. Because if they do, then that's not the correct meaning because the Bible never contradicts itself. And you won't have to waste your time. Oh, what does this mean? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? When you actually take other scriptures. Like, you don't have to waste your time. People waste lots of time on this passage trying to figure out, oh, what does it mean? What was he really trying? What really happened to Paul? You don't have to waste your time when you know the other scriptures. So that's another reason to study. Right. Absolutely. And show yourself approved. All right. Point number three. Allow scripture to speak for itself. Yes. Don't read into the text. Reading into the text is something very scholarly, a scholarly word. It's called eisegesis. It's when you basically isolate. It's when you isolate Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. But you can look at it like that (laughs) if you want to. (laughs) When you take a scripture and isolate it, it's like basically taking something out of context. Yes, it's basically like if I were to post the sermon clip on on what we were you know, saying. on Instagram, like I said, of like, I don't know, you catch me saying like on a Wednesday, like I, I say something like this, like I preach on Wednesday nights in Impact, and I say, you know, like, you know, you clip me saying God doesn't want to save everyone, and that's your clip that, that you have right there, and you say, Pastor Joey doesn't think that God wants to save everyone. When in reality, the fullness of what I just said is that imagine if someone said God doesn't want to save everyone, but you just clipped me saying God doesn't want to save everyone. See what I'm saying? Like if you clip me in this podcast right now (laughs) saying that, you (laughs) could get me and make it look like that when I really didn't say that at all. And by the way, if you do that, you're a deceitful person and full of the devil, unfortunately. That's just the the truth. If you want to make a preacher look bad just because you you want to prove a point that's that's a that is full of the devil right there that's that that is not correct to do but anyway um nonetheless but um it's wrong to try and read into a text take it out of its immediate context you shouldn't try and you know let me see just go to a pastor scripture I'll pick one right here you know it says my son be attentive to my wisdom and you take that to mean that you know oh you know um, you take that to mean, you know, my, my son need, my son, you know, uh, needs to, I don't know, like my son needs to listen to everything that I say. He needs to be attentive to my wisdom and stuff like that and do whatever I tell him to do. That would be isolating the passage out of its immediate context instead of actually studying to see what it means. So when you're reading a, a passage of scripture, never isolate the text. Instead, 
read the whole context of it, and then come to a conclusion about what it means. Very good. Cool. Moving on. Number four, you should be writing these down. Number four, every passage has one meaning. So we talked about this a lot last night with our leaders, but one, every passage, there's one meaning that the author intended to make. Yes. And yeah. it's not your job to change that. Right. <laughs> a lot of times, um, you know, and the thing is, is that I want you to understand that if you've ever done any of these things that we're saying not to do, or uh, then like, don't be mad at yourself because the reality is, is that no one taught you and now you're learning. So that's okay. You know, you, you made a mistake, you messed up. That's fine. You know, it's not like you purposely did it. It's just that you did what you could with what you had, you know, but now we're seeing here, every passage has one meaning. I had a student ask me last night, great question, very smart girl. If you're watching this right now, you know who you are. Hello. I hope you're doing well. Maybe you're at Stanford right now, but she's, she's brilliant. She's a brilliant, brilliant student. I'm very proud of her. We're very proud of her. Very but, proud. Um, she asked a really great question. She said, I don't understand. How could one uh, a passage of Scripture only have one meaning? People seem to get so much from one passage of Scripture. And, and even asking, like, doesn't that kind of, like, diminish, like, you know, the, the fullness of what you can get from the Bible? And I thought that that was such a great question, and this is something that I, had, I dealt with in Bible college. Listen to this. This is very important. Every passage has one intended meaning with many applications to that meaning. So if the meaning to a passage of Scripture is that, you know, God loves his people even when they're disobedient, okay, you can apply that and basically be like, oh, so if I messed up the other day, God still loves me. That's an application that makes sense. You can turn around and say God loves everyone because that, because that makes sense within the context of that meaning. There are many applications to every meaning, but it's the same way that if I told Brianna something, I had one intended meaning that Brianna was supposed to get across of what I was saying. Brianna's not supposed to think about what I said and go, I think that there were four meanings to what Joey just said right now. No, there was one meaning that I that I was trying to get across to Brianna in what in something that I said. There's one meaning I'm trying to get across to you right now, and that is that there is one meaning. You guys get what I'm saying? So one meaning. It's one meaning. There's one intended meaning that the author meant to write to the original audience. But there are many applications that we can get from that meaning to our lives. One meaning, many applications. Um and we'll, we're going to dive into something I just said more in a second. But anyway, the last two, um, go, go ahead and read just like the, the last uh, number five. And then okay. I'll do number five and six together. Okay, number five. Identify and study the genre that the text is found in. Scripture has literary style, which varies depending on the text. And number six, identify and properly interpret all literary techniques to avoid misinterpretation. Okay, have you ever been talking to somebody and you said... Yeah, I caught that, let's say you're a fisher. I caught that fish the other day. It was like the size of the Empire State Building. Was your fish. Was your fish actually the size of the Empire State Building? Absolutely. No. <laughs> no, it was not. But what were you doing? You were making a, a comparison, a simile. You were saying like. You were using some type of comparison. Were you lying? No, you were, you were exaggerating. You were trying to get a point across. You weren't purposely trying to lie. But... 
that's sometimes in the scripture, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the author might say, you know, I felt like, a, you know, I felt like a beaten up flower on, you know, on the on footpath or something mm-hmm. like that. What that it doesn't mean that I literally am a beaten up flower on a footpath. It means that I feel like crushed in that way. It's using a literary device to explain something. It's not specifically saying that, uh, again, that like I'm literally like a flower. So in scripture, we have to watch and see as each text may have literary devices in it. It may have hyperbole, exaggeration. It may have similes, uh, you know, metaphors, things of that nature throughout it. It may have, um, it may have a bunch of different literary techniques and devices. And each Bible or each uh, book of the Bible is written in its own literary genre. Um, there's different genres that the Bible, that different Bible uh, books are written in, and so we have to read them as such. The the Psalms is poetic, Proverbs is wisdom, and that literature can be understood differently. So when we read the Bible, some don't take you know when you're reading the Psalms, you don't necessarily have to take everything literally because it's poetic. Now I will say this: this is a very key principle as well. When you're reading the Bible, you should always look to take something literally unless it's very clear that it's using figurative language. Hear me on that. I'm not saying to take the Bible figuratively. Take it very, very literally unless you are certain that it's using uh, figurative language. That's very important to understand. But... That's that's a this is all six of these principles that we just said are extremely valuable to your understanding of the scripture and the understanding to the word of God. Yes. Something I was just thinking of. Maybe you're thinking, "Oh, I really want to know more about this. How can I better study?" Get a study Bible, get a fire Bible. Sure. At the beginning of each book of each book, there's like background, context, even like um the genre probably isn't it. Just different things that will help you to deepen your study. So that's just yeah. an encouragement to absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can you can definitely do that. And I just felt led to say this. Just so you know, the Bible was in fact, ultimately the author was God. Like it was the Holy Spirit. But what the Holy Spirit did is the Holy Spirit worked along with men to write the Bible. What I mean by men is people. But And actually I think all the Bible authors were men. But still... Nonetheless, God still used women all through Scripture, just to be very Amen. clear on that. But God used people. He partnered with people right. to write the Word of God. It wasn't like it was people's, you know, ideas that they were writing. They were writing what the Holy Spirit led them to write, and they were in accordance with that. They were. It wasn't, so don't be mistaken, this, these aren't just man's words. This is God-breathed. The Scripture says, all Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It comes from God. But God partnered with mankind to write down the scripture. God used their personality. He used their their style and techniques, yes. But it ultimately comes from God. The meanings, the things that are being written come from the Holy Spirit. That scripture. What's the scripture that says as they were carried along by the Holy yeah, Spirit? First Peter, First uh, Peter, I get this past yeah. few sometimes, 121 through 22, I believe. Uh, it says that no prophecy of Scripture was uh, came about by man's own interpretation right. of things, but rather the Holy Spirit carried them along. I'm I'm slightly not quoting that perfectly, but uh, that that's basically what the Scripture said. They were carried along by the Holy right. Spirit. Right. So they they wasn't just something they made up, but the Holy Spirit actually led them 
to yes. say what they said. And so yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. No, so don't just think, oh, like some of these words are from God. Oh, it's Jesus speaking. So this is really from, this is really what God was trying to say to me. Like, no, like all of it. Take it all as God's word. Right. And the Bible is inerrant. I want you guys to know it. That's a, that's a word that, that you guys should know, inerrant. It means without error. The Bible has no error in it whatsoever. Don't think, oh, so man read it, so there's mistakes. No, because the Holy Spirit was the one who carried them along when he was writing. Right. The Holy Spirit was the one who was working through the person to write it down. So don't think that there, oh, maybe there's an error in the Bible because men make mistakes. No. That's not the case because the Holy Spirit carried them along. So I just wanted to encourage your faith in that, that the Bible is, in fact, perfect, and it has no errors within it. Amen. All right. Two misconceptions about Scripture. First, Brianna, why don't you read that? God wrote this specifically to me. I am the original audience. So if you think that, you think that maybe God just said, oh, I'm going to write this book to Joey. So he can have an understanding. Right. I'm sorry. But that is not correct. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not. Unfortunately, you know, you know, society maybe has promoted, you know, the Bible's good for whatever it means to you. When in reality that's not the case. The Bible was written to the original audience and that it was written to, for example, the book of Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. The book of Colossians was written to the church at Colossae. Like that's that's how it worked. Like it was written to the original audience. So God didn't intend like say, okay, I'm writing this to Joey Santora. Now, in a sense, the Bible was written eventually to be used for all believers to understand. It is for you, yes, because it was written for all believers, but we are not the original audience. Like, you know, we, we shouldn't sit there necessarily and immediately just go to the fact, wow, this was written only for me. No, it wasn't written only for you. It was written for you. And yes, you know, God can use, you know, what's in his word to apply to your circumstance right now, 100%. But don't be mistaken that you are the only person that God had in mind when writing this uh, text of scripture. Right. And some of the things you'll notice as you start to study, oh, like this is kind of interesting. Why did Paul why did Paul talk to them about, you know, not filing a lawsuits against each other? Like right. why was that important to say? And when you look at, you know, what's behind that church, there was a reason why he said that. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, it helps you understand, oh, this wasn't actually specifically to me, but there was a purpose behind what they were saying to that audience. Yeah. And just for our younger viewers or maybe people that might not know this, Paul was an apostle that, that wrote a lot of the New Testament of Scripture. But, yeah, so, so God, God did not write it specifically to you. You were not the original audience. However, God can still speak to your specific situation through his word because it was written for all believers. Uh, we already covered this one. I'm not going to get into it anymore. But th there's many, many meanings to scripture. No, there's not. There was one intended meaning with many applications. One intended meaning with many applications. Um, so uh, let's, let's real quick. Man, I keep on hitting this mic. Let's real quick go to Lamentations, and I want to read a passage of Scripture to you just to under, understand maybe what might be happening. Whenever uh, whenever Brianna talks in the mic, it looks like she's swallowing it. Has anyone, uh, has, has anyone else? I will be that? honest. It's a very bad habit because when I sing, you're supposed to like, literally have it on your mouth. 
She's she's like that's a singing. She's tip. got it like down. She's got it like inside of her throat right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, Lamentations chapter three verse twenty one. It says, "But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope." The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So, if I were to ask you if this author was happy or sad writing this, like happy or sad, right? I know those are kitty words, you know, happy or sad. But what was he happy or sad? What was this Smile author happy or, or sad? It sounds happy to me. Like, yeah, oh wow, the great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. This sounds very positive, right? The reality is if you actually study it, the author is actually very sad in this passage because Israel or Judah, God's people in Judah, which was a part of, well, uh, well it was a part of, like, Israel, like, in a sense. It's a lot to get into. But that was where God's people were. They were taken into captivity by Babylon, and their city was destroyed. Like, parts of their city were destroyed. And so he's very upset about this captivity. He's very upset about what's happening. And when you dig even deeper, you realize Israel's in this position, or Judah's in this position because of this. Because they sinned. So... The author's not happy. He's actually very sad about, about what's going on. But even in the midst of it, he says, but this I call to mind. So now watch this. Originally, you might have looked at this and been like, wow, that's so great. You know, you know God, you know, does, uh, you know, God, you know, uh, is faithful. We put, you know, we can put our hope in him, all of that type of good stuff. And that's true. All of those elements are true in this passage. That's not false. But the meaning expands and, be, and the application becomes greater when we understand the meaning. Which the meaning is that God still has great love and faithfulness for his people despite their disobedience. Right. That's basically what, what's happening here. So now we can apply it to our life. And Brianna, you can help me out here. But like you can apply it to your life and say, wow, even when I disobey God, he is faithful and he wants to, and he wants to help me be delivered to him. You know, when I, when I uh, you know, God's faithfulness isn't contingent upon my behavior. God will still be faithful to me. Now, may I not walk in his promises the way that I should? Absolutely, because there are contingencies to walking in God's promises. But God's love and faithfulness does not change despite our behavior. So that, that's an application that I got all from that text by understanding that one meaning. Right, and you can still be encouraged by it because it still can apply to you. Wow, I can be encouraged because God will be faithful to me. And, you know, you know, I, I, will, I will see God deliver me. I'll wait for it and see it happen. And it can apply to you. Yes. And realize that, you know, just because this author was sad when he was saying it, you can be encouraged. Absolutely. <laughs> so and another text is, uh, and when I, when I say sad, I don't mean like, he was like miserable. He was very discouraged and down because imagine if, imagine if like, let's just say like a country came into the United States and took everybody captive back to their country. Womp You'd be womp. really upset about that. That would be really tough. Like, and that's what Jeremiah, the author of this was facing. But I'll give you another example. Jeremiah 29, 11. 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future, right? We all know it. People that aren't even Christians quote that scripture and put that in their house and stuff like that. Here's the reality. They, that was during the same time period. That even in the midst of their difficulty and the fact that they were in captivity, God still said, hey, but I still have plans for you. I have plans to prosper you. I know you might not be prospering now, but I still have plans for you. The Lord was still going to be faithful. By the way, it was never the Lord's uh, desire for Israel to go into captivity or any of his people to go into captivity. It was because of their sin that led them into captivity. So God was being faithful. So when we understand, oh, wow, God had plans for Israel, despite the fact that they were disobedient and in captivity, you can look at that and say, man, I messed up and did a lot of wrong things in my life. But guess what? God had great plans for Israel, his people, and I'm, I'm his child, so I'm his people too. And he has great plans for me despite the things that I've done wrong. Now, what is, now? if you read all the whole context and surrounding things of that nature, you understand that Israel had to come to a place of repentance in order to walk in those plans as well. So when you take all those things into consideration, you understand the meaning that despite Israel's dis, or despite God's people's disobedience, that if they would turn to God, he had great plans for them. So you can then say, wow, if I would just turn to God, he has great plans for me. Even if you've never sinned before, you could still, or I'm sorry, never, not never <laughs> sinned before, that would be Christ. But even if you, you know, are like, I haven't done anything like, you know, crazy before where I walked away from God. You know, I've been living like right before the Lord and stuff like that. Even if you, you know, are like that, you could still say, but like, I'm being faithful to God. Like, I'm turning myself to God. Like, I've already done that. So I can be confident that I walk in the great plans that, I, that he has for me. You see how the meaning can change or the application can change based on the proper understanding of the meaning? Right. You can still use it to put your hope in. Like you can put your hope in what that scripture is saying and you can apply it to you. Gloria Copeland, she says, like she was talking one time and she said, I hung my hope on that scripture. And what she was saying is listen, this scripture became something I believed for my life that I said, no, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to worry about my past and why I feel like I did so wrong. I can hang my hope on the fact that he still has good things for me despite what my past is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's important to understand the context and the meaning of scripture so that you can properly apply it to your lives so that you don't have this weird, I say this all the time, you know, this weird like, you know, Walls of Jericho, you, you read the story of the walls of Jericho, so you think every time you have a problem in life, you have to go march around it, the problem, and then it will fall or whatever. That, that's totally misinterpreting that, that text and understanding it. I won't get into it right now, but that would be misunderstanding it to say that every time I have a problem, I need to march around my problem so that my problem goes away. But anyway, I'm pretty sure most of you guys would have already known that. I would hope that you would be surprised. So in conclusion... Pray before you read your Bible. Yeah. Ask God to help you understand. Uh, ben told me this. He said, I said, what else can I add to this? Cut out distractions. Mm. Cut out distractions. It's good. Maybe it's put your, put your phone away while you read the Bible. Put it on silent. Shut it down. Whatever you got to do. Go away by yourself. Shut the door. Like, make it so that there's nothing that can interrupt that time. Yeah. Get one of these, too. A paper Bible. Oh, that's good. Uh I understand there's Bible plans, and I actually do Bible plans with my youth and stuff, and that's wonderful. And if you want to join me on one, I'd be happy to join you. But 
It's best to have a paper Bible because you can get really distracted on your phone. At least put your phone on do not disturb and make it that, you know, text don't show up for you, hide your alerts, something like that. Um, cut out distractions when you read the Word of God so that you can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, make sure that you actually understand what's being said before you move on to the next thing. That, I never used to do that. I used to be like, oh, I don't understand. I'll just go to the next thing. Absolutely. I'd rather you understand one verse in the Bible in your day of reading than read an entire chapter and get nothing out of it. Right. Now, that's not an excuse to just go, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his word. Okay, that's my scripture for the day. That, that is not an excuse to tell you to read one scripture and be done. But my encouragement to you is I'd rather you spend 20 minutes on one scripture and allow it to get in your spirit and mean something than read an entire chapter and have it be meaningless to you. Right, and you forget it right. for the rest of your day. Dwell on it. Understand it. Write that down things that don't make sense to you and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and, and then ask a spiritual leader uh, in your life to be that you trust to help you. More on that next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about next week what a good spiritual leader in your life looks like. Someone that you could trust. Um, yeah, we'll get into that it's next good. week. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. I thank hope this you. helps you be able to read the Bible and fully understand what it's saying. If you have any questions, drop them in the comments, and I'll try and answer them next week before we get into our next topic of having good spiritual leaders in your life. God bless you guys. We love you. We love you. And if you're a youth between 6th and 12th grade, I will see you on Wednesday night at 630. God bless.